listening to the Untitled Sandspoint Podcast Project. I am Richard J. Anderson. Uh, this is episode one, and since this is the inaugural episode, I thought I'd begin by just explaining a little bit about what this whole thing is about. Uh, basically, I cannot avoid, I, I just love hearing the sound of my own voice, so I thought I'd talk a little bit uh, each week about the things that interest me in technology and culture. And I'm going to do it all in 15 minutes or less, so I don't take up too much of your day. And this week, I have got a couple of interesting things to talk about. Uh, first, I want to talk about streaming music. And the big news in streaming music, of course, is Taylor Swift, who has removed all of her songs from Spotify. Why? Because she doesn't think that ad-supported music values it highly enough. And this has been an ongoing debate, as we all know. And I've come down on, on the side of it uh, multiple times over the past couple years on Sands Point, and I'll link to a couple of my uh, pieces on that in the show notes. But I want to uh, talk about this very specifically uh, to you folks because this it gets my attention because I have friends who are working professional musicians in different ways and forms, and I look at the, the situation around music the, today and... The push towards streaming, the push towards rental, the push towards ad-supported and free, and I look at how much normal artists, not the top, you know, 77% earning uh, 1% of artists, the 1%, but also just, I think about the, the struggling people who are trying to make a deal, uh, make a career out of this, and they're just beginning. They don't have the support, they don't have the financial support to kick things up and keep it going. It's uh it's interesting that Steve Albini, uh, he of the uh, the problem with music, also a producer of some renowned, recently uh, did a talk. I'm going to have to double check to see where exactly he gave it. Yes, he was gave the keynote address at Melbourne's Face the Music Conference, and he's embracing this idea of independent free music as a sort of a loss leader in a way, if, I, if I'm reading him right, uh, to live performances and. Presumably merchandise and maybe, you know, your people buying the record if they uh, want a physical copy at the show. And he uses his own band as an example. And this kind of rubs me the wrong way because survivorship bias. He succeeded. He, you know, he came up during the area where, era when you almost certainly needed a label to do something or you could struggle and go through independently. And he survived the independent route. But those are a different those are different days and there are many many bands many many artists out there who don't have that luxury who are make perfectly good music who make amazing music and are struggling and failing and you know that I guess that's always been the case but I wonder if there's more of it happening now when it's so hard to just get the basic financial support under your feet to devote more time more energy into your music to I like to joke, you know, guitar strings don't buy themselves. You know, if you're not making enough money to pay, you know, to fill the gas in the tour van, if you're not making enough money to replace the strings on your guitar when they eventually break, if you're not making enough money to do much of anything, then Spotify is not going to help you. I do agree with Steve Albini that, unfortunately, I think the uh, the toothpaste is out of the tube. It's going to take a cultural shift to valuing art valuing music as a thing that is inherently worth something and that a chunk of that money goes to the person who made it 
and the amount of that chunk can vary if you're on a label or if you're on a an independent label or if you're self-release you know doing it through Bandcamp or iTunes or whatever you want but the artist must get paid uh I'm not going to cry any tears over the death of the big music labels the the long prophes- prophesized it still hasn't come around yet but I can't help but think that uh it's not looking good for struggling for new musicians that are just starting out unless they get really lucky in lightning strikes and they become, you know, the next lord or something. And not every artist wants that. There's so many people out there making art music that are making music that is challenging, interesting, and really connects with a certain group of people. But is that going to be enough? It's it's a struggle. Uh, it really is. And I'm cautious as to how it's going to shake out. But in the meantime, I'm still not signing up for Spotify, whether Taylor Swift is on it or not. And speaking of not using their services, the other big news this past this week is Uber, who, oh boy, where to begin? Because Uber has never had the greatest reputation, except when they were just starting out and they were still a, a basically a black car service. I remember super excited when they moved to fit when they set up shop in Philly and I could grab an Uber home from a night out uh, partying and drinking. Yes. And I'd pay a little more, but I'd be riding home in comfort. Uh, I remember the first time I got there were a couple cold bottles of water in the back. I was home in comfort and oh, it was great. Way better than the cats from Philly. But um, uh, now they're, competing against Lyft, and they're part of the whole sharing economy bullshit, um, where, you know, ride-sharing. How is it ride-sharing when we're paying someone? It's not sharing if you're paying, but that's a whole nother can of worms right there. The big thing this week is a executive of Uber has uh, come under fire for basically threatening to dox, dox a reporter for BuzzFeed. I'm sorry, I got that wrong. They didn't dox a reporter, threaten to dox a reporter at BuzzFeed. They threatened to dox a reporter in an interview with BuzzFeed, which is even more intelligent. And the executive in question, Emil Michael, has since apologized profusely, and the CEO of Uber had went on a twit storm, uh, basically apologizing, but not actually taking any action, like firing the poor guy. It's the straw that's broken the camel's back. I deleted Uber, uh, asked their support people to cancel and to delete my account, and I'm switching to Halo. I live in New York City. I can get away with that. Um, I worry about when I visit Philly, what I'll, have, what I'll do for a cab, but I guess I'll just have to flag one down the old-fashioned way. But there's a whole huge issue here, not just with Uber, but with so many other tech startups that they feel as though they can break the rules, they can demand things from people they can screw over uh they're they're not even employees they're contract workers and this is the big thing right now and it's where the money's going in venture capital there's a company that started up uh, and won an award at the startup thing that was basically offering butlers and how is this what we want from the valley how is this what we want to the future of technology to be isn't it supposed to be making life better for all of us and this is just a, a mess if i were an investor i would be putting my money towards things that have a benefit to not just people who already have enough money to afford um 
black car service or, or, or ride shares, but something that also makes life better for the people who work for the company. And I mean work for the company. Enough of this contract worker nonsense. Um, it's not even the same thing as opening a, a restaurant franchise. It is, in no uncertain terms, just exploiting people who really need a real job. Even if they want to work themselves, that's fine. But you know, there's the difference between being a, a freelance contract uh, programmer, for example, that or working under contract for a limousine service than there is for working for Uber. And I know which, if I drove, which I would prefer, probably. In any case, this is the straw that's broken the back uh, for me for Uber after seeing so much of their nonsense and their surge pricing and their propaganda campaigns and move away from the really nice black car service that used to be their bread and butter to ride sharing and taking rides with strangers who might not know how to get where, where you're supposed to go. It definitely didn't help that last time I had to take Uber, I got uh, overcharged. Um, <laughs> you don't estimate that it's going to cost me 20 bucks and then charge me uh, 30 bucks. That's, that's, that's a dick move. I don't know what to do. It, uh, I guess if we can get critical mass and just all stop using Uber, and I'm seeing at least on my feeds people doing so, including uh, most recently John Hodgman. Go him. Maybe this will stop. And, uh, well, coming up on the 15-minute mark, so I want to finish up the show by plugging something that I think is really neat and is worth your time. And this week, I'm going to plug the current Kickstarter by comic publisher Spike. And this is the sequel to her awesome comic book guide to living frugally, Porecraft. It's called Porecraft 2, Wish You Were Here. She's kickstarting it now. Uh, I'm recording this on the first day of the Kickstarter and it's already raised uh, nearly $6,000 last I checked. Goal is $15,000. $12 will get you a copy of the book. $20 will get you a copy of the previous book and the new book. And I'm looking forward to it because I haven't been on a vacation, like a proper vacation, in a long time. And I don't have a lot of money to spend on that sort of thing. So <laughs> this couldn't have come at a better time. Anyway, this has been the first episode of the Untitled Sandspoint Podcast Project. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a Twitter reply at Sandspoint or send me an email through sandspoint.com slash contact. My name is Richard J. Anderson and thank you for listening.